Hi, I'm Leon Pulse, uh, chairman of the StartupFoundation.co, and you're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. This is a podcast that tries to keep genuine. It tries to keep you focused on what is the truth out there for app developers so that you can make better decisions as a as startup as person who's getting involved in you know, apps and mobile and this whole wonderful world we're living in. So I want to uh, introduce today uh, our guest. His name is uh, Darren David Taylor, and he is a uh, uh, app developer working specifically for startups, but he's had a, a lot of experience building apps. He's got a slightly different viewpoint as well. I know we're going to go through that, but he is working with entrepreneurs and startups. And uh, you can find more details out by just going to theappguy.co and look for episode 233. And I'll put the links there to his blog and his website and stuff. But uh, Darren, it's warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast. Thank you very much. Nice introduction. Uh, well, I just wanted to ask you, like, so you're, you're focusing on... Um, working with startups and uh, you've been an app developer for a number of years and I tell you what let's take it back to when you first got into app development uh, development because I know you were there fairly early what was it like in the earlier days well actually if we really go back I mean I, I, I'm I'm really uh, you know of the 80s generation I started on the VIC 20 that's where that's that before we called them apps there are applications you know there were games and stuff like that so that's where I started coding and uh I sort of went through the, the Commodore 64, the Amiga, and then I got into Windows <laughs> you've development. You've gone way back there, Darren. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I Sorry mean, about that. Have... That was too. That, that was too far. You know. No, no. That's this is gonna uh, actually derail the whole chat because I, I love that period. I, I got my first Spectrum Z, ZX One. I think it was one one K. That was then, that was a ZX eighty one then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. With the um, the rubber keyboard, and, and then I think that we upgraded to the physical keyboard. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and I was always of the Commodore camp, you see. Um, I was down the sort of 6502 processor route. So, um, and obviously the Spectrums was at 80s, which uh, wasn't my thing. Because I, I got into um, assembly programming really early on because I was really into games. And obviously you couldn't do it in basic on the 8-bit micros because it was just too slow. And um, anyway, anyways, to progress onwards, um, yeah, I, I sort of got the Commodore 64, BBC Micro, Got into an you know Amiga coding 68k on that, and then I you know then I got a job when I left school um, <clears throat> doing uh, it was actually real time programming for mass spectrometers the control software on those. Then uh, MFC came along and I was doing C++ uh, in Visual Studio, and then in 2000 I uh, moved to a small company in Derby called Common Time, and I started developing software for the Palm devices. And um, that lasted to it for about a year, and um, th then uh, Symbian was sort of announced. Um, obviously, it came from uh, Scion Epoch, uh, and I, I stuck with Symbian until was it 2008, when basically Symbian died. Um, and as soon as the iPhone had come out in uh, 2007, I was like, "Wow, this is this is just unbelievable!" I, I just couldn't believe it because. I was almost pulling my hair out during the Symbian lifetime because, you know, you come from the Palm devices, which were just so usable, to these clunky, you know, pocket PC, smartphone, Symbian devices, you know, 
all, all, all the all the devices that were out at the time, the compact iPad, they were horrible. And the the iPhone. I, I had one of those. I remember using it with the stylus. That was and the best one, though. That that was the best. That was the best of the bunch, really. You know, it, it was really chunky. And I ended up buying one of the uh, battery packs, and I, I did think that <laughs> used to last me all day. But the, the, I guess the it's big challenge. Oh, I mean, I had to synchronize all the offline stuff. Um, you know, with uh, before you left or to go on the your commute, and yeah, uh, yeah that definitely. I stopped. I, I think I stopped using that after a while. It just uh, kind of faded. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, that. The pocket PC stuff was quite nice, you know, and but they never really succeeded in in making, you know, that they, they were doing the smartphones and stuff, and it just it never really worked with the Windows stuff. And neither to me, neither did Symbian. Some of the like the Series sixty phones were okay because they were quite simple, but they just didn't have anything that the iPhone had. It, it was just such an amazing device. And that's my bigging up of the iPhone anyway. I won't I won't go there again, but um. Yeah, so in, it was actually 2008 when I, when I actually got my, my Mac and my iPhone. And I just, I just thought, right, forget this. I had my, my final Symbian contract ended. And I just, I'd spent four or five months learning iOS. I got some apps in the App Store at the end of 08, start of 09. And, so, uh, so let me just pick up on some <coughs> points here because I think that, yeah. again, this is uh, wonderful stuff because this is perfectly aligned to the App Store tribe listening to this. You were... Uh, it, you were contracting you were, didn't right, have a yeah. full-time job and you then took it upon yourself to learn ios in the five six months that that took you and then you bought yourself your mac and then started uh, building apps for the iphone and what did you then decide to, to do that full-time and and uh, quit the contract the work that you had at the time no well what happened was the the recession happened didn't it at the end of 2008 so um uh, and obviously Symbian had just just completely died a death and it, I, I didn't really have any choice if I'm honest but it, it was the only way to go it was the only way forward and I thought when this you know when this recession ends I want to be in tip top shape and it, and it, it worked out absolutely spot on because uh, I kind of just jumped forward there so I'll, so the next step was um, Tom Tom were hiring at the start of 2009 in Amsterdam so I just got a job there straight away. You know, I got a pretty good rate, and it was just like, you know, right in the middle of the recession, I got a job doing an iPhone, the next up-and-coming technology. But, yeah, before that, I got a couple of apps in the App Store, which um, early days in the App Store, it was quite easy to make some money. Um, I got a game and a little sort of, it was called Life Tracker, the app. I warn you, don't download it. Um, and, yeah, the, so... Um, well, well, so this I'll tell you the the thing that I, I'm really interested in is have you got any advice? Uh, I mean, you you said you got a, you landed yourself a good job during a recession because yeah. you were retraining yourself. You were like, you know you could see that the iPhone was the way forward. Have you got any advice for anybody who is perhaps in full time uh, work right now and they're just a little bit scared about going full time into a startup and and having all that risk? And I feel like the easier routine is to start contracting. So at least you've got some income to supplement your startup and your vision. Have you well, got any, if, any advice? Yeah, I mean, if it was me, I'd do, you know, um, I'd, I'd just go, I'd actually work for, some, for startups on really short-term contracts because, you, you know, you, you're really flexible. You've got time to work on your own startup, just doing a couple of days a week. 
and you're learning from other startups and you can see what mistakes they're making and that's that's the key really isn't it that's that's how i'd do it i mean I, i've not actually done that because i've sort of i've sort of backed out trying to basically create a, you know be a startup i'm i'm not going down that avenue really anymore um so yeah i just work with startups i think that's the way i'd, I'd do it yeah no i mean it's commendable advice because i think that again we people don't take that leap of faith because they're just so worried about the risk and they're going to lose everything, you know, and build up all this credit card debt. But uh, how, how easy is it to get contracting work? Do you have any particular resources that you go to, to, to find that? Okay. So my, my, uh, the way most of my work comes uh, from having a website and LinkedIn. So just those two things together generate all my work. And um, I do sort of 90% of my work now is direct um, without an agency. But it's, it's taken time to build that up. And I do also, uh, you know, I really got my way to network and keep in contact with, uh, you know, people I've worked with before. So I, th- I think, it's the, you know, the networking, the website and LinkedIn is, is, is the key really. Yeah, I think personal branding is like always uh, extremely oh, important. Yeah. yeah, so that again, LinkedIn have your own domain name and and uh, the networking. What sort of events are you going to? Are you, is that down in London or do you have any yeah, in Staffordshire? I, mean, I don't really go to events. I mean, um, I, I did I did some with Meetup dot com last year. So I say I didn't go to I don't go to events, but I did. Like, you know, I, did, I went to a few last year. But the problem is with with events is you, you tend to you tend to go to the events that interest you, which is not where you want to go. You really want to go to uh, events where your customers are going to be. So ideally, I'd be going to startup events, you know, business startup events. But, you know, the problem there is as well, that they're all, they're all early stage startups, so they haven't necessarily got any money, which is, you know, not, not always a good thing. So my networking really is, you know, I say networking, it's like a sort of referral, really, trying to get, previous customers to speak to you know their friends and acquaintances and just just recommend me really and I'll get in touch with those and I'll you know call them on a regular basis see what they're doing try I I mean it's it's a bit of a cliche really but I always I always try to call people up and just say what you know what can I help you with what are you working on try and offer free advice and that, that just creates you know really good leads there well, that's excellent advice because I, I feel like a lot of people don't do that. And I, I remember a few years ago, you know, having some good clients, but never giving it a thought to ask them for referrals. I mean, they're, they're the biggest source of potential referrals for you because you're doing work, you're hopefully doing a good job for them. And then they can, they, they, you know, clearly the clients, uh, especially the buyers of uh, services that you could potentially offer, have big networks and they're just tapping into that and, and asking. So, that's, that's that's absolutely brilliant advice. I also enjoy it, to be honest. I mean, I, I just love the whole startup scene. I, I just love to, to talking to people about it. I mean, I, I really should be involved anymore. I should I should start a startup. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've just I've just I've just been on the, the bad side. Not not bad. I, I mean, writing apps is my passion, and I've I've written so many apps, but I just I don't think I don't think the money's in it anymore. That's so it you know it does break my heart in a way that I can't make money out of it. I just, I just don't know what, you know, I don't yeah. know what it sources. 
Yeah, I mean, if I mean, this is a genuine show, and that's why I wanted to, you know, in the intro, remind people that we are not here to pull any wool over anyone's eyes. And uh, we have had uh, guests on the show that said, like, a very big concentration of the 15 billion that's paid by Apple is in the top 50 publishers who have extremely big marketing budgets, who will then potentially get guarantees from Apple somehow to to uh, get featured and if you get featured on apple it makes the whole big you know it makes a massive difference <laughs> it's basically the make or break of an app is is being featured and yeah, you, it's you just hard to, to do that now yeah you used to be able to do tricks like um re-releasing your app and stuff like that it's, it just doesn't make any difference anymore there's no way of of just you know upping your rankings and then getting that sort of you know getting that that break that that puts you in the charts that starts the ball rolling I mean, you used to be able to get in the charts. That was the thing, but you, there's no, there's no space now. Yeah, I a mean, lot of people, a lot of people using, you know, like, you know, app, app store optimization on the on the key, on the words on the titles of the apps and things. All sorts of techniques now, and it's 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 gone a bit crazy to be honest. Yeah, well, at some point, someone has to say we are in what is considered a boom, and because there's, you know, clearly. The too many people involved in the marketplace and not enough money going around and it's being monopolized at like the top elite sort of you know chain the food chain and not trickling down to the grassroots um but what's incredible about this app store is that just the amount of people it's attracting to, to try something uh without giving it too much thought and just throwing these things out so um, well, the barriers, a lot the barriers of, of entry are so low aren't they so you can go from an idea you can get a, a macro grand and think that you've got a really good opportunity and Apple are going to do everything for you. I mean, previous to the App Store, you had to have a merchant account, a website, a way of distributing your apps, and you just got no hope. And the App Store came along and it gave you everything you needed. And um, people, I think people who are new to it still believe that. They think they're just, it's going to be an overnight success. And they see, they see these numbers. It's like what you were saying about you know, I, I do. I, I believe it's probably the top ten companies, nearly all of the money, uh, on the App Store. And you're I, probably I sound, right, I sound, actually. I, sound, yeah. I mean, I sound really negative here. I do. I love the the whole business, but it's just from a personal perspective, it's very, very difficult to get in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, again, it's just a highly crowded marketplace. And you know, we talk about discovery being. The new barrier to entry because you say that the barriers are so low anybody can grow go and buy a mac go on to uh any any resource learn how to code put an app out there you know within a few months and and so highly competitive but the new barrier to entry is the fact that you're not going to get discovered unless you do some like marketing or spend some budget on uh on on some clever marketing so uh, i feel like that that is the new barrier to entry for a lot of people I suppose it's just become real, hasn't it? It's become like the real world. You know, no one's giving you a leg up now that you had before with the App Store. So it it really is. It's it's capitalism. It's it's, it's finest, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So on that point, then, given that you are uh, focusing on startups, uh, what we have is two things to ask you um, in the show. One is, do you have any app ideas that you are willing to share? Anything that you may have thought about, but uh, or. or if you do, that's great. If you don't, then don't worry. We've got another way of fleshing out a potential app idea from you. So 
do, do you have an app idea you can share with us? Yeah, it, uh, I've not, I've, I'll probably never finish it, so I may as well tell you. So um, it, it's a bit like Instagram, but instead of taking photos, you, you draw little doodles and it's just solely location-based. And I th- I'm not totally sure, but I think it could be anonymous. So the sort of use case for this would be if you imagine kids in a playground and they can just, they can just randomly draw these little doodles. And when they're in the playground, they can just see everyone else's doodles. And then they go somewhere else and you get a whole new set. So you go around your friend's house for a party and you draw these little doodles and everyone can share them. And they just come up on a feed based on your location. So that, that's it, really. It's just a crazy little idea. And I was thinking sort of the responses to these little doodles could be further doodles. I, I don't know. I love it. I absolutely, we, we could call it doodle, doodlegram. How's yeah. that sound? Well, like I say, I've already half created it. I call it pixel view. You know, when you come up with these project names, <laughs> but it, it, it would never be a marketing name. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I really like the idea, but I sort of started developing it like a lot of these ideas, just the motivation disappears. Um, once you start <laughs> seeing the, the, the amount of work that you've got to do on the back end to support it. But yeah. actually it's not too bad because if, if, if you wanted to do that, you could use uh, Pass because they've got some really nice uh, distance location-based functions. Um, so you can return a set of data based on, on, on the distance from your current location, which is actually quite a pain in the ass to do unless you've got the, um, you know, something written for you already. Well, there you go. So to the Appster tribe listening, there's your project for uh, today. And uh, Darren's given us a great idea. And certainly there's two people that would buy that immediately, I think, if that came out. I'm sure it wouldn't be one of those paid apps, so it would have to be a free app with some clever monetization strategies for two, three years down the road. Uh, and Darren, the um, other thing is that I'm, I'm hoping you've got a smartphone near you and maybe an iPhone or something. Um, we would love to know one or two apps that you use in your day-to-day life whether it's okay. personal or business but that, i'm sure that's an easy question that's yeah. that you could and maybe try and pick something on your phone that you think we may not have come across before i use uh, my, my friend's app tube tracker written by andy dryzen uh in london i love that app it's absolutely uh, it's the best tube app and he, he hasn't paid me to say that um <laughs> obviously i use i use tom tom all the time um let me just have a look i use uh Hacker News. I've got a Hacker News client. Love that. Oh, which which one is that? It's just called it's just called Hacker News. It's got okay. an H H N written on it. It's just a really simple client. Great. I, I use. I mean, I'm like a kid, really. I use YouTube all the time, and because I love Apple TV, so most of the stuff I watch on this TV is YouTube, just pushed onto now, Apple TV. Okay, so now you're talking to the converted. Okay, so I have an Apple TV. I've had it for three years. I've not watched network TV now for. Uh, three years i reckon since i've had the apple tv but the youtube app on there is doing my, is doing me in because they've changed it obviously they've introduced ads now which is a bit of a pain but uh, i don't find an easy way to discover the top trending it doesn't ever seem to change when you go onto those channels that have popular in the uk popular in the us popular globally they don't change that often not like they used to and so uh, like it's kind of annoying me yeah, I just really miss the, the top trending, you know, where you just go straight into the top trending by day, by week, by month, and you could just see what's going on. But now it's like, I don't know, it's just, I, f- I feel very upset with uh, the Apple update. Yeah, I, I didn't really use that app. I, I use I use the app on the device and then just push it up to, uh, you know, I play it up to the Apple TV. Oh, so what, are you using the YouTube uh, uh, yeah. app or, 
and you're pushing that to, to the, the Apple TV. TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just find it. I just find it's an easier control method. And if I'm not using YouTube, I just use the remote. You know, right. the actual the actual rem- physical aluminium remote. But I've got, I've got just to just to get one up. I've got three Apple TVs. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did actually think I was doing the right thing, upgrading to the uh, 1080p. But yeah. uh, you know, it's beautiful. We uh, we watch all our movies on there, and uh, Netflix is probably the most used. Um, yeah. I, I actually a little trick for net Netflix. Have you got the US version of Netflix? I I have. I do that on my phone, and yeah. uh, I airplay it to the Apple TV using my VPN to the US. Oh, you do that? Because I use a site called Unblock US, which does it via DNS. It's, it's really good. And it's 40 quid a year. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. that's uh, a great... Uh, so, <coughs> Unblock DNS. I think no, I think it's called un- Unblock US. But US. It, it does, yeah, it does it via DNS. Great. Okay, and uh, there's a great recommendation. So, for all those things we've mentioned, uh, the Tube Tracker, the Hacker News, the Unblock US, the Pass... Uh, I think we're going to be putting all those uh, links on uh, theappguy.co, uh, just episode 233. People can go and check it out. Darren, how, how best can we get in touch with you, my friend? What's the best way? So uh, my website, uh, that, that, that's my portal. It's uh, darrendavidtaylor.com. Um, that's it, really. Or, or LinkedIn. Uh, please add me. You know, It's Darren David Taylor on LinkedIn. So do you feel like we've covered everything you were expecting? Have we missed anything out? I mean, I know I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about this Iron Man thing you've been into because you, I, I hear uh, that you have done four Ironmans. So it, it's not the typical kind of thing that you'd hear from a coder, you know, who spends all his time on a computer. You're, you're actually, you're a bit of a health nut then. Well, I, I didn't used to be a health nut. You know, I, I used to be like, you know, like a lot of people, I, you know, just sitting on my arse all day and I, I got fat, to be honest. And um, I just, I just watched, I just watched Iron Man on the TV, and I'd never really, I'd, I'd never done any sports whatsoever. And um, I watched Iron Man on the TV, and it was crazy. I just signed up. I just signed up straight away. And I, I couldn't actually swim like more than a length. Uh, I couldn't run, and I just did a little bit of mountain biking. And uh, I signed up, and I thought, well, I've got, I think it was eleven months. Um, I signed up for Iron Man UK in twenty eleven, and I just. I got a good training book, uh, Be Iron Fit, and did a 30-week training plan. And I finished. You know, it was, it was unbelievable. How long did it take you? I did it, the first one, in 1440, which is, it's not bad for a first time, you know. And um, so I, I, was, I was chuffed a bit because I just wanted less than 15 hours because, you know, the, the sort of common, you know, c- common belief is if you do it in less than 15 hours for your first one, that's, that's, that's pretty good, like, you know. And Ironman UK is quite a hard one. Um, I just couldn't believe it, you know. It was just that it, I just say one thing, you know. If, if you ha- if you haven't done one, just do one, and then you can just honestly show off for the rest of your life. I can't, yeah. I, I can't, I can't stress how you know you get into any sporting conversation with anyone, and you just you just wipe the floor with any of their beliefs. Whatever you say goes. I think that might have just affected my head. I don't. Th- I think they probably walk away and think, "God, he thinks he knows <laughs> I think it's just—it's made me believe that everyone worships the ground that I walk on. Uh, I mean, I—I I have to agree that first of all, it's very inspirational to hear you uh, just watching TV and then one day saying, "I'm going to do that," and you know, you set up this 
training regime. And I feel like uh, as entrepreneurs and people in working in startups, we often neglect our health. It's very easy, you know, because you, you put your hours in. I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning and going to bed late and you know, skipping the hours of sleep. And uh, I've definitely, you know, I've had to get into a health regime because otherwise you just get fat sitting here and uh, you know not doing much so i i would encourage anybody listening to this to take this as inspiration and go and do something go and do some health things well you can you can fit it in that no i mean uh, <clears throat> like yourself i mean we, we work from home mostly and actually that's actually more difficult because you have to actually go out of the house and do something deliberately whereas if you work on site somewhere it, it it's so easy because i mean when when i contract in london for example i'll park on the outskirts of london and then just cycle in and it's 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 a no time loss because the time it would have taken you to drive into the center or you know get a tube in you can just you can just ride in and it's true of loads of situations you can be time efficient and get the hours in and that's how i've done it you know that that's how i've managed to do the ironman training is you've got to work it around what you do already so, yeah, and, the, and the other thing I was going to ask before we say goodbye, Darren, is that I uh, love my kids. I uh, love this lifestyle because I can spend a lot of time with them. You know, I've, I've spent four years before they went to school uh, being around them. We went uh, to do a ski season together. I've got twin boys. Uh, we've been to live over in Dubai together as a family. So I've loved the flexibility that I've had doing uh, what I've been doing. And I understand you've got kids as well. Yeah, I've got three uh, kids, yeah. So okay, yeah, one up on me. <laughs> so, <laughs> wondering, uh, you know, like how's it changed? Uh, you know, being being around them and working from home is that something you would promote? I, I mean, I, I love the idea. I, I started working from home about ten years ago, and I, you know, occasionally go on site and stuff. But I, I, I just love it. I just love the lifestyle. I wake up in the morning, and it's like, you know, thank God I haven't got to leave the house. Yeah, because I can just I can see me I can see even if you don't you know deliberately spend loads of time with them you know you're just in the same you're in the same house as them and it's it's a nice feeling being being away all week working away I mean I've worked on site and stuff before and it's just horrible you you're seeing them a couple of days a week you just you're just rushing when you get home all the time to do stuff with them whereas when you're at home all day it's just such a it's like being on holiday really. Yeah, it's one of the inspirations that people use to leave their jobs and, and become full-time app developers and uh, contractors and, and work from home because, it, I mean, firstly, it's a lifestyle that you can effectively do anywhere with a laptop. You know, you don't need to commute. Uh, I don't need to. I've never met anybody physically. Uh, actually, that's not true. I did have uh, one meeting um, for this podcast, but most of it's been remote and and that's the the what the world we live in now is fully remote, and uh, I think we can just benefit from being around, uh, you know, and uh, not having that awful commute and twelve-hour uh, work days where you spend three of it in traffic. <laughs> so, well, it's like it's like the way I see it. It's, it's like I've got my house, I've got everything I need here. I don't want to be anywhere else. I just I don't want to sit in an office with loads of people that I didn't choose to sit next to. I mean, obviously. You work with people, you make friends. I mean, I've made some amazing friends, you know, being a developer. But, you know, I haven't chosen them to sit by all of them and listen to the life story every day. I don't necessarily want to, you know. 
That sounds really, <laughs> that's really bad, isn't it? But, I, you know, I've got my own house. I don't, I don't want to be in an office. It's as simple as that. Well, that's, that's a good note to end on in a way. <laughs> there's, leave people with that, you know, in a way, this, this is the lifestyle of someone who's done it for 10 years. So, D- Darren, thank you very much for joining us on the App Guy podcast and all the best with what you get got going on there. And let us know if we can help you in any way. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it.